Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leovigild to Felipe VI. And this week we're going to be reviewing Abdalaziz. Mm. Uh, son of our yes. previous. Okay. All so his, right. his full name is Abdalaziz Ibn Musa. There has to be an Ibn and yes, Musa in there Ibn somewhere. Musa. Okay. Here, here's a little piece of ignorance. Is Abdal, uh, is that one word or two? So a lot of times you'll see it written as two words and even written right. as the name Abdul. Now, right. Abdul is not technically a name. It means servant of, right? So okay. it's, it's, it has sure. to go with another name. Typically it's sure. written A-B-D, Abd, mm-hmm. and then mm. Al-Aziz, A-L hyphen A-Z-I-Z. Ah, okay. So All Abd right. Al-Aziz. All right, good. I'm, 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 I'm putting that down. Good. Yes. All right. Learning so many things. We are. We are. Mm-hmm. And just think, this is just another situation where forms, where you fill out your name, doesn't mm-hmm. work if you're not from the culture. Right. Right. I, I remember exactly. at elementary school, I had a classmate who uh, was Hispanic, and so she had both her father's and her mother's surnames, mm-hmm. Gomez and De La Torre, and she had to squish it all into those little boxes. Mm. Gomez De La Torre just didn't right. work. Nope. No. Yep. Abdalaziz probably would have had the same issue. Right. Okay, let's talk about sources. We've still got a little bit of Al-Baladhuri and Al-Hakam to use today. And okay. we've got the Chronicle of 754. Right. I was going to say, that's, that's going to be with us for a while. That will be with us for a while. Now, the Chronicle of Alfonso III says absolutely nothing about any Muslim governor. Really? Nothing okay. at all. Hmm. There's a paragraph about how bad the conquest was, and then it skips right over to the first Asturian king. Wow. It yeah. Yada, 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 the governors. That's really uh, shocking. At 50 um, whole years of nothing. So. Right. Okay. That's, so we that's, won't be using them. Oh, just as well. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to leave that source behind until we get to the Asturians. Mm-hmm. So this time I'd like to talk about another source that I mentioned okay. in Roderick's episode, Ibn oh. al-Qutiyya. Oh, okay. Yes. Now, his full name was Muhammad ibn Umar ibn Abdelaziz. Yes. Everybody knows him by his nickname, Ibn mm. al-Qutiyya. Right. His most known work is titled The History of the Conquest of Al-Andalus, which is right. kind of a misnomer because it covers the first 250 years of Muslim rule in the Iberian <laughs> Peninsula. That's more than conquest, That's actually. That's more than just the conquest. <laughs> right. Yes. Now, Ibn al-Qutiyya was born in Seville in the late 800s. And his mm-hmm. father was a judge or a cadi in Seville in Ejica. So he, okay. was, he was a member of the ruling class. Mm, mm, mm. Ibn al-Qutiyya was educated in Seville and Cordoba. And he made say, his living as a scholar and a writer. Right. I was going to say, if you made your living as a scholar and a writer, by definition, you came from the ruling class. Yes. Nobody, you know, sort of took that job on spec. No, um, no, yeah, no. All right. <laughs> now, unfortunately, very little of Ibn al-Qutiyya's work survives. We have this hmm. history. Right. And then there are two other known works. The first one is the book on the conjugation of verbs. And the second one is the book on the shortened and extended Aleph. So, oh, you know, he's my he kind of guy. fun at parties. So oh, much fun. So popular. Two grammar books. What a mm-hmm. guy. Oh, oh, delightful. His wife couldn't wait to introduce him to her friends. Yeah. Uh, now, all right. interestingly enough, there's only one surviving manuscript of his history. 
Hmm. This manuscript, really? yeah, only one. This manuscript is in the National Library of Paris. And hmm. fun fact, at the top of the second folio is a charm addressed to the king of cockroaches, Yakabajik, to keep away paper-eating insects. Good lord. Yeah. We're bordering on the Lovecraftian at this yeah. point. That is, okay, A, that's awesome. But it's B, super cool. So who the hell has a, I mean, a cockroach god? Um, that's... All right. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> okay. So returning to the man, like Al Baladhuri, his name is not a family name, but a nickname. Mm, Ibn right. Al Kutiya means son of the Gothic woman. Oh, right. You, yes. I, we, we talked about this, that that was, that was not a nickname that indicated uh, a, a stable home life. Um, <laughs> well, he actually goes into it in the first chapter of his history. He claims okay. descent from Witiza, specifically from a woman in Witiza's line called Sarah Alcutilla, Sarah hmm. the Goth, which okay. I kind of love. And sure, why not? By the way, yes, I'm pretty sure I dated her in high school. <laughs> um, so because of this, Ibn al-Qutiyah's history has a different focus than other Arabic chronicles. Al-Qutiyah mm. spends a lot of time describing treaties and compromises between the Gothic and Hispano-Roman inhabitants of the peninsula and their Muslim mm. conquerors. Hmm. So Meanwhile, Al-Hakam and Al-Balarhuri focus more on battles and military right. successes. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting the, so, to get kind of a different view. Even I was going to say it's it's C-SPAN versus the History Channel. Yeah. Um, all right. Of course, it has the same failings as the other Arabic chronicles in that they're written many hundreds of years after the events. That right. I, I I have the date nine seven six written correct. down here. Is that yeah. okay? All right. That is correct. All right. So let's talk about Abdulaziz. Okay. We're not sure where Abdulaziz is born, but mm -hmm. it's most likely that it's either in Syria, where Musa mm -hmm. lived before he began his public career, or right. in Iraq during Musa's first failed governorship. Right. That's that's the one where he got in trouble uh, with the caliph for sticky fingers. I for believe. the tax money. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now Musa is already 45 years old when he becomes co-governor of Iraq. So it's unlikely that Abdulaziz would have been born any later than that. Right, right. We can okay. guess that he was born in between 670 or 680. So after the failure of Musa's tenure in Iraq, he and his children, including Abdulaziz, go to Egypt. Right. Because they're under the patronage of the OG Abdulaziz, the one our guys named. Of course. After. Yeah. Right, right, right. And much like Musa's time in Egypt, we don't know what his children are doing at this time, being between 685 and 700. Right, Other because than, again, yeah. uh, un, until you're in charge, nobody cares. Yeah, nobody really cares unless you do something great. Mm, uh, they mm. were probably being educated and then working for the governor of Egypt, just like their father. Sure. And when Musa becomes governor of Ifriqiya in around the year 700, his sons go with him to Cairo on Tunisia. Right. Right. We can guess that Abdulaziz helps his father Musa settle, partition, and administer the province of Ifriqiya. And this mm -hmm. guess is based on the fact that another one of his brothers, Marwan, is specifically named by Al-Hakam as going with Musa to capture Tangiers. Okay. Yeah. So Abdulaziz would have been in his late 20s or early 30s at this point. So he's definitely mm -hmm. of an age to participate in the conquest of North Africa. Right. Okay. 
And Marwan is uh, Marwan is the middle. He's brother? the middle child that kind of okay. disappears after. And this. I was going to say he 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 disappears in in yeah. the Godfather analogy. Fredo gets sent off to Las Vegas, and nobody really hears from him for the rest of the movie. Right. Um, okay. We've got Abdallah, right. the oldest, as right. the governor of Ifriqiya, and then we right. have Abdalaziz. Okay. Now, the first time the Chronicles mention Abdelaziz by name is with mm. the conquest of Spain. Right. Musa and his family are probably just chilling in Cairo on when Musa gets a message from Tariq informing right. him that, hey, by the way, yeah. just popped over the Again, Straits, the, killed the Spanish king right. in battle. The ultimate not for nothing but uh, letter. Uh, quick text. Uh, by the by. Yeah, no. <laughs> Musa, as I mentioned in the last episode, is angry about Displeased. <laughs> that so, was not your job, sir. <laughs> no. So Abdelaziz's oldest brother, Abdallah, gets left in charge in Kairouan. But Abdelaziz himself goes with his father, along with, quote, the chiefs of the Arabs, the commanders, and the leaders of the Berbers. By the way, are we all thinking of Musa in this scenario as the, 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 the chief in every 1980s action movie uh-huh. where the, the, the Mel Gibson character or the Schwarzenegger character goes rogue as a cop and the chief is the one that has to come in and do all the paperwork and screams and throws things? <laughs> well, he brings quite a contingent with him to, yes. to do that. Yes. Uh, this contingent actually also includes a military commander named Habib ibn Abi Ubaida al-Firi. I mention him because he's going to come into the story more. Okay. So, all right. so Habib goes along. Habib, okay. And they all head to Spain together in mid-712. Okay. So this means that Abdelaziz participates in the sieges of Seville and Merida. Right, right. He so is, he's he getting has, he has front row, right? Yes, and he's getting military experience under mm-hmm. his belt if he hadn't already had it con- conquering North Africa. Right, right. However, and at this point, he's not. There's there's no brothers with him. So no, he's, now, he's the only brother there. He, he's now the the only son of the guy in charge. So presumably, there's a little more preeminence. Uh, in his participation okay all right yeah as a matter of fact after Merida falls Abdelaziz and his father part ways Mm. right Musa goes off to Cordoba and he tells Abdelaziz uh, he gives him orders to continue pacifying the the region pacifying is one of the great euphemisms of history yes (laughs) Uh, Um, all right (laughs) and we know this not just because of the stories but because Mm. Musa goes to Cordoba Right. demand an accounting from Tariq, but mm-hmm. Abdelaziz and the military commander Habib are not there because their mm-hmm. names show up on a charter in the year 713. Mm. Okay. Now, the charter was signed in eastern Spain, so most likely Abdelaziz spends the early part of the year 713, after his father left for Cordoba, crossing the south of Spain from northwest to southeast, capturing wow. pacifying towns as he goes. Okay, so basically he's Euro railing it. Yeah. Um, all right, taking in the local cuisine and right. Okay, cool. Yeah, just cutting across <laughs> the entirety of Spain. Right, excellent. And in fact, the Chronicle of 754 states that it is Abdalaziz who, quote, pacified all of Spain under the yoke of tribute. And mm. So okay. it's not far fetched to assume this that Abdalaziz played an integral role in making the Iberian Peninsula come under Muslim rule. If nothing else, you know, you travel across an entire country with an army and keep the army together, uh, provisioned, uh, that alone argues for a certain level of competence. Yes. Um, or at least the ability to delegate the hell out of a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. 
Now, after pacifying basically the whole of Andalusia, mm-hmm. Abdelaziz returns to Seville. That's going to mm-hmm. be the capital of Muslim Spain instead of okay. Toledo. Okay, right. Well, it got all those churches in Toledo that were built by all the Goths, and we need well, to put up mosques. It's interesting you say that because there's no royal palace in Seville. So Abdulaziz sets up in the monastery of Santa Rufina. Oh, that 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 seems deliberately yep. insulting. They also okay. reconsecrate the church part as a mosque. Of course they did. Yeah. Okay. So he's living in the monastery. The church is now a mosque. Okay, sure. Why not? About halfway through the year 714, he gets a message from his father. Mm. Musa has to go to Damascus to appear in front of the caliph. So Abdelaziz- is going to do very badly in Damascus. Ooh, yes. <laughs> so Abdelaziz is going to be governor of Al-Andalus while he's gone. All right. Now, the Iberian Peninsula is far from settled at this point, but Habib is also staying behind, so Musa isn't too worried. Okay, good. Yeah, he's going to be supportive. All right. Now, it's probably at this time that Abdelaziz gets married. Ah, all right. I bet you can guess to whom. Uh, well, no, I can't. Well, they're there with an entire army, which is all full of men. Uh huh. And they so, show up in a territory that they've conquered, which I see. Men and so women. he's going to marry a local girl, is he? He is. I see. I but see. not just any local girl. That oh, would be enough for the governor. Okay. He uh, marries Roderick's widow. Whoa! That is bold. Yes. That is straight up Richard III stuff. I know I killed your husband, but I mean, this is. Well, technically, Tariq killed her husband. I know, but still. (laughs) I mean, come on. Yep. So Abdelaziz and Ehilona are married not long after Musa leaves. Wow. Okay. Now this, I'm sure that wasn't uncomfortable pillow talk. Well, this marriage um, is not popular among the Muslim contingent. Or, or among Ehilona, I'm guessing. Keep going. <laughs> well, for one thing, Ehilona does not convert upon marriage. Ah. I don't know if she continues mm, mm, to practice mm. Christianity, but she definitely does not become a Muslim. Oh, man. Christmas is going to be so awkward. Secondly, Uh, she, now I don't know, nobody knows any of her her personal feelings, right? How did she feel about having to marry her conqueror? Right. But regardless of how she personally felt, she definitely wanted to make the most of it. Okay. She's like, okay, I'm in this situation, but I'm married to the ruler of Spain again. Right. So that's what we're going to do. Still married to the top guy. I mean, you know. But she's still in the medieval king's mindset. She wants her new husband to behave how she thinks a ruler of Spain should. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what this means (laughs) is wearing a crown, sitting on a throne, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Ah, yes. Doing the the frills and bells and literal bells and whistles. Um, Okay. Yeah. There's even a story that she convinces Abdelaziz to lower the tops of the door frames of the monastery so that people will be forced to bow their heads bow oh woman what are Mm -hmm. you doing yep all right this is yeah now now we're starting to sound like melania in you know redoing the trump white house Uh, also by this time musa has arrived in damascus to find that al-walid is dead and is now caliph yeah and he does that stupid big entrance thing, which he really shouldn't have done. And yeah. And so Suleiman, thing and, mm-hmm. yeah, doesn't like him. 
doesn't mm-hmm. trust him and also definitely doesn't trust any of the Ibn Musas. Right. Right. So, so this is where the room of knives and poison starts getting. Oh no. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Now there are various stories of who begins plotting and for Mm -hmm. what reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some sources say that the plotting, the the rooms of knives and poison was first set up by Habib. Oh, well, yeah. There is a longstanding tradition in Spain of the leader of an army looking at the king and saying i've got an army there's that so from these sources the Mm -hmm. the story goes that habib starts feeding the caliph information about how abdelaziz is behaving now with the crown and the throne and the bowing and (sighs) even starts making up stuff like abdelaziz is becoming christian oh you weasel okay Yeah. yeah Suleiman, the caliph, is really concerned about this because he's afraid that Abdelaziz is going to cut off Spain from the caliphate and declare himself king of an independent nation. Well, uh, I mean, Suleiman has not been what you would call terribly kind to, you know, Abdelaziz's father. No. Um, So there's, there's some legit fear of that, I suspect. Right. So... The caliph then tells Habib and another guy named Ziyad mm. ibn al-Nabika mm-hmm. that they should kill Abdelaziz. Yes. Right. Right. That's that's one possibility. Sure. Second possibility is that the caliph Suleiman, on his own, because he mm. already doesn't like Musa, decides right. that he wants to get rid of all the Ibn Musas. Yeah, I, I would say that that's entirely, I mean, Suleiman seems to have a, a, a pretty good head on his shoulders, and you don't you know, degrade and humiliate a man and then leave his son in charge of a distant province. And as um, a matter of fact, right around this time, Suleiman takes Abdallah out of the job of the governor of Ifriqiya and uh-huh. puts in his own man. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, right. this, this, that's sounding, I mean, this could just be a confluence of, you know, a weasel uh, in Habib and a shrewd leader in Suleiman. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay, all right. And there are some other sources, including mm-hmm. the Chronicle of 754, that blame one of Abdalaziz's cousins, a guy named Ayub, who simply wanted to overthrow Abdalaziz and take power for himself. And why not? There's always going to be one or two of those guys, uh, of course. So let's let's go to what Al Kutiya says about about mm. these plots. Okay. Quote. One morning, he, Abdelaziz, went to the mosque and stood in front of the mihrab where he recited the surah al-Fatiha, the opening chapter of the Quran, and the surah called the event. Then the people drew their swords and set about him all at once. Oh! Yes. Not everybody. The people referring to Habib and Ziyad Ah. and Ayub and these people. Right. I'm just going to say that... Although this is starting to sound like a conspiracy in an Oliver Stone movie, yes. uh, it, it might as well just be everyone. Everyone stands Spain. up from prayer and just right. runs through. Sure. Uh, they cut off his head and sent it to Suleiman. This took place oh. in March 716 in the mosque of Rufina, overlooking the plain of Seville, as wow. Abdelaziz was then living in the church of Santa Rufina. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, well, that was, that was quick. 
So um, they stab him to death. Yeah. And they yeah. cut off his head and they send it back to Suleiman. And apparently Suleiman had the head displayed in court when Musa was there. Of course he did. And he asked Musa, do you know this man? To make sure yeah. that he saw. And oh. Musa's response was, yes, this is a man who prayed and fasted. Uh-huh. Oh, Basically nice. saying this was a good man. And yeah, you uh you you killed a fellow Muslim. Nice, mm-hmm. nice going. You good killed job. a fellow Muslim in a mosque immediately after uh opening prayer. Yeah. You you, you really think this is gonna go down well with uh, the Almighty? <laughs> okay. So now there's no governor in Spain. They are left no. to themselves. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that Abdelaziz's cousin Ayub declares himself governor. Aha. Uh-huh. That's why people think that he was involved. Sure. And yeah. and fair. Now he declares himself governor, but that's not what's supposed to happen. No, what's supposed no, to happen is the governor of Ifriqiya is supposed to name the governor of Al-Andalus. Or the caliph can do it himself. If he or the wants. caliph. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, okay, first they have to stab him so he's dead. Yes. Then they have to send the head all the way to Damascus. That takes a while. That takes a while. Suleiman in fact, has to know. Maybe you better put that head in a Ziploc bag because it is not going to get there fresh. Let's hope they put um, it on ice. Yeah, exactly. So once Suleiman finds out, then he has to tell the governor of Ifriqiya that it has happened. Yes. Then the governor of Ifriqiya has to pick somebody else to be governor and then send that person to Al-Andalus. Oh, man. This is like trying to get a uh, stoplight put in through City Hall. It just endless stages. and you know, So what turns. this means is that Ayub is technically the governor of Spain for about six months. Uh-huh. But eventually all of this telephone game does get through. The governor of Ifriqiya, who is now Suleiman's man, gets to pick. Right, exactly. Next. I was going to yeah. say he's the brother has been replaced. So, yes. yeah. Uh, the brother is not dead. Uh, Abdallah is still living. He he was just set aside. He's no longer the governor. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the new governor of Ifriqiya does name a man named Al-Hur, and then Al-Hur has to go to Spain to say, hey, here's my letter. You know, I've been officially appointed. And when that happens, Ayub does step down. Uh-huh. Okay. Which All is right. why some people think that Ayub wasn't involved because right. like, he wanted to take power. Why did he just go, oh, okay. Either that or he finally got the job and realized I have to get up when every morning? No, 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 no. <laughs> do so, over, do over. Yeah, so that's the life and governorship of Abdalaziz Al-Hur. Well, that was brisk. He begins, yeah, he begins his uh, governorship and we'll talk about him next time. So you want to rate him? I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, not as okay. not as jam packed as Musa's. But no, we got a couple no, things to was, talk about. This was this was not this was not Musa. Okay, no. all right, all right, all right. Our first category is conquistadores. How well did they fight and battle and conquer territory? Assuming that we are not just going to include what he did as governor, assuming we're going to give him credit for what he did under his father's authority, Mm -hmm. I think we probably have to score him fairly well. We do. Um, Participated in two sieges that we know of. Two successful sieges. Two successful sieges, Um, yes. And and as we say, I mean, you know, basically the, the... 
the triumph of, to, to, to draw an analogy, I mean, the triumph of Sherman's march to the sea was the fact that he was able to do it without maintaining supply line. And it really does sound as though Abdul Abziz did something similar here. And rather than being destructive, he was pacifying as he went, which is way harder uh, yes. to do. Yes, yes. Um, so, so yeah, I'll... a lot of it was he participated in the, those two big ones. Right. But a lot of the mopping up, he did right. by himself. Right, right. And and it, it, it's, you know, it's worth remembering that he must have done a fairly good job of it because violence didn't break out immediately upon his death. No, it did not. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's quite I mean, good. And then yeah. we have that charter that his name showed up on. Let's yes. talk about that. Okay, please. This, this is known as the Treaty of Tudmir. Now, Tudmir <laughs> is the Muslim name for Theodomir. Do you remember him? He's the one that lives on the Mediterranean coast of Spain, and he repelled the Byzantine attack when Witiza oh, couldn't yes. be bothered. Absolutely. Yes, I do. So he's the local lord in Murcia, right? In, and, in that and, part of Spain. And a bit of a hero, I would imagine. Yes. So we have quite basically the first fuero, the first agreement right. between ruler and ruled mm -hmm. about rights and responsibilities. I can actually read the whole thing because it's quite short. Oh. oh, sure. So here's the Treaty of Tudmir. In the name of God, the merciful and compassionate. This is a document granted by Abdelaziz ibn Musa to Tudmir, the son of Gabdush, establishing a treaty of peace and the promise and protection of God and his prophet. May God bless him and grant him peace. We, Abdelaziz, will not set special conditions for him or for any among his men, nor harass him, nor remove him from power. His followers will not be killed or taken prisoner, nor will they be separated from their women and children. They will not be coerced in matters of religion. Their churches will not be burned, nor will sacred objects be taken from the realm, so long as Tudmir remains sincere and fulfills the following conditions that we have set for him. He has reached a settlement concerning seven towns, Orihuela, Valentilla, Alicante, Mula, Bigastro, Ello, and Lorca. He will not give shelter to fugitives, nor to our enemies, nor encourage any protected person to fear. Hmm. Uh, all members of his realm will be responsible for giving one dinar every year, together with four measure of wheat, four measure of barley, four liquid measure of concentrated fruit juice, four liquid measures of vinegar, four of honey, and four of olive oil. Slaves may pay, must pay half of this amount. Wow. The names of witnesses follow. The document is dated from the Muslim month of Rashab in the year 94. This is April 713. You don't see a lot of peace treaties that have the requirement of concentrated fruit juice you don't, as part but, of the peace, but better than, you know, the salt and earth crap that you had to do, you know, to submit to Persia. Um, yeah, I, uh, that's, that's actually a pretty good treaty. I mean, if I were, if treaty. I were, yeah, as I was going to say, if I were Theodavir, I would, uh, or Tudmir, I would, uh, I would absolutely go along with that. That is a good deal. Yeah, uh, particularly given the degree to which, you know, the, the people in, you know, I'm just going to call them Theodore's district, were probably not in a position to put up much of a uh, fight. No, they um, weren't. But this shows that Abdelaziz is definitely in his father's mold here. He's good uh, yes, at the war. Evil he's, and fraudulent peace. Yes. So he's good at war. He's able to right. conquer territory that way. Mm -hmm. But he's also willing to offer 
Suero right. rights right. to the people as long as yeah. they agree to work with him. Yeah, this 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 is sort of helping to explain the rapidity of the expanse of yes. the caliphate. Yes, um, yes. So yeah, I I I like it. Um, yeah, that's that's good. And and again, uh, you know, we we want to keep in mind that conquistador is not just. It, it, it is conquering, which can obviously be done with an army and with violence, but it also can be done with mutual treaties. So, yes. yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm rather impressed on the whole. Didn't do too much as governor. No, he um, didn't. So there is, so there, there is that. But I'm, I'm thinking a six. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking a six on this one. I'm going to agree with that. He didn't yeah. go north with his father and Tariq, so he doesn't right. get the credit for the vastness of land. Right. But he did conquer land. He was involved right. in the conquest, and right. he was willing to do it both with war and with peace. Right, exactly. And I think that's that's really good. Exactly. I, yeah, I I'm going to give him a seven, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, so that is enough. a 13 for conquistadores. It's a good start. Good start. Our next category is no me digas. Well, well, he married a Christian. I was going to say who didn't convert, who didn't convert, who was also the widow of one of the people that he that was killed by, let us say, the military forces that he was one of the leaders of. Yes. Um, and it's possible that a lot of these stories have come down that have come down to us are exaggerated. Oh, I'm sure. Right. If Habib was feeding exaggerations to the caliph. Right. Right. You know, the the the, the rumor that he had become Christian or that he wanted to be king of a Christian right. nation. That's he was always known as a devout Muslim. So yeah, I think that's I was gonna all say, kind of nah. I was gonna say, given given where he was murdered, uh Habib's whole story falls apart. Right. Um so, however, so right off the bat. However, yeah. it is things that obviously people, at least in the Muslim world, were talking about. Oh, hell yes. I mean, yes. if we're talking about people actually using the phrase no me digas, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. the marriage alone was was the cause of a great deal of, you know, pearl clutching and monocle dropping. I mean, that's absolutely shocking. I find it um, interesting that he married Echilona after Musa went back to Damascus. Mm, mm, I don't yeah. I don't know if we should read anything into that, mm, but it's but, certainly interesting. Yes. It yes. Huh. Yeah. Um that's pretty good. It's pretty uh, good. There's there's no other like he wasn't he didn't chop the heads off babies and put them on spikes no, and he no. didn't genocide anybody and he right. didn't D- despite what yeah. Christian historians would like him to have done. Right. Um no. Uh, he didn't take up with Now the Chronicle of 754 does claim that mm. Abdulaziz took wives and concubines among the Gothic people and then repudiated them. I don't know how uh, nobody else mentions anything like that. Uh, Not even other Christian sources. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, I don't that, know. Right. It doesn't um, seem like it's in his character. Right. And I mean, we're we're still in the early days of the expansion of the caliphate. You 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 kind of want to imagine that there's not a lot of grotesque uh, hypocrisy uh, going on yet. That that it takes a while uh, for corruption to set in. 
Yeah, um, maybe if you're the caliph or you're, right. you're up oh, there sure. at court, then you're uh, walking yes. around dripping in jewels and, right. and being very uh, hypocritical. Yeah, but 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 given that Abdelaziz is 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 seems seems to be very serious about the whole pacification thing, mm -hmm. you don't pacify a country by raping its. I mean, you don't. You no. just don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't want to go down this thread any further. But let's just say it, it, it would be very contrary to an agenda that he seems to have been very diligent in, in pursuing. Yes. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side eye uh, the Chronicles 754 on that. Yes. One. Um, but uh, the marriage alone uh, is worth uh, at least a five. Mm. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not seeing. I mean, he doesn't have. He doesn't seem to have any of his father's uh, greed. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't seem to be a thing. Um, he. he he doesn't seem to, as we say, you know, there's no Leovigild level uh, cruelty um, or savagery. Um, but an unpopular He probably marriage, could have been a little harsher on his enemies like Leovigild. Yeah, that yeah, might have helped yeah. things a bit, that's, that's but he true. wasn't. That's true. Uh, a little, yeah, I was going to say a little more of the sword, a little less with the, you know, back scratcher. Um, okay, so yeah, no, I, I, I think a five feels about right to me i'll agree with that uh, i'll also give him a five so that is a okay. 10 for no me digas mm. all right our next category is orthodoxia how mm. orthodox were they well he was stabbed while praying uh yeah i was gonna say he was stabbed while praying but obviously uh, I, this was something he did a lot because they knew where to find him right exactly so, i mean this is this is definitely one of those things where where do you kill thomas beckett you kill him in the cathedral it's where you can find him right um, so we have direct evidence of him being personally religious right exactly on the other hand anything else i don't have anything else for this category i suppose you can say that that treaty that he did with theodomir which protected, mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to protect right. Christians and Jews, but right. it didn't exactly increase the number of Muslims. In but I was going to say, but it but it sort of slowed the spread, if you will. Um, However, that was a very orthodox thing uh, to do, to protect but, the other but, people yes, of the book. Exactly. On the other hand, I'm not inclined to punish him for it. Right, exactly. Um, that that um, said, we don't, obviously, he's not on the, you know, the throne. He's, well, well, that's kind he of- He was the on the throne. That's yeah, the I was going to say, he shouldn't have been on the throne. And that sort of, again, if we think about it, if the stories about Ehilona and her influence on him are, are true, not necessarily that she's going to convert him to Christianity, but it feels like she's making his, his sort of Muslimy asceticism soften a bit mm -hmm. um so i'm not I'm, I'm not saying but i am wondering whether there was something there but but um he's pretty close i mean he's he's about as close as we have to someone who was actually martyred um right. that is to say stabbed to death in a house of worship mm -hmm. at the end of a prayer yeah there's a lot to be said for the fact that died because he was being uh observant so, something to be said for that but I'm not thinking much more than a three. Uh, there just isn't a lot of a lot of oomph uh, there in my. That's opinion. fair. Yeah, I'll also give a three. That makes sense. Mm. Yep. So that is a six for orthodoxia. Mm. 
All right. Our next category is El Resto. The other thing right. that could go along with being king. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share another coin with you. I oh, good. Have, I found a bunch of coins. Oh, good. good, good. So I'll be able to share these with you more regularly. Mm-hmm. This is another coin that was minted mm-hmm. in Al-Andalus. Uh, but it doesn't have any words on it. So it's not as oh. cool as the bilingual coin. It's not, but it's, again, it's not bad. I mean, it, yeah. it's, the worst thing that could be said for it is it looks a little generic. But right. we have but the sun is, again on one right, side. The sun. And then on the other side, we have like a scepter or a cup. It looks exactly, statue. well, it looks exactly like a pawn. Oh, um, yeah, it does. I mean, that, I mean, for, for those of you at home, it looks exactly like a pawn, which... I'm sure it isn't, mm. but, but that's, that is what it, that is what it looks like, but you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's not an obelisk, obviously, because that's wrong culture yeah, entirely, I'm but wondering what um, it could be. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it's, it's, it's gotta be theoretically somewhat abstract. All right. Yeah. Um, not, not in the, a bad in the next episode, I'm going to share a coin that was minted in Damascus. So mm, we'll see okay. what, what, what the good coins look like, but that sure. is that. <laughs> okay. Uh, length of rule. He was governor for about two years from 714 to 716. So okay. That's, that's all he got. That's not great. Children is interesting because remember he's married to a Christian. Yes. Now, we know that he had at least one daughter. Okay. A woman named Aisha. And we know that because she marries Fortune Ibn Qasi. You remember him? Count oh, Cassius's son. Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So Count Cassius's oldest son, Fortune, marries huh. the daughter of Roderick's widow and oh. Musa's son. That is a, that is a tangled family tree. It is, um, but this is actually, I like it. yeah, this is actually the beginning of a very powerful family called the Banu Kasi, who will live I was in the say, Zaragoza I mean, area 40 years. It, if we're thinking about, again, you, you've taken over a country, how do you maintain that power? Um, the answer is you build a family. Yes. Um, that is, that is a family that is, that is both conquerors and conquered. Uh, and she is clearly an incredibly valuable piece mm-hmm. uh, uh, of assembling that puzzle, as it were. Um, yeah. So I like that. Okay. All so right. we are going to be talking about Fortune's descendants for quite some time. Now, it's possible that they had okay. another right. child. And I say this because Ehilona mm-hmm. in Muslim sources is referred to as Um Asim, which means mother of Asim. So that kind of tells me that she had a uh-huh. son named Asim, but nobody ever talks about him. Right. So who mm. knows? Mm. So maybe so two knows? children. Okay. All right. And as for his death, pretty interesting. Stabbed Great to death, death. While his prayer. Great and, death. No, that's. And his head was returned to the caliph and displayed say, to his father. No, that is some straight up Joffrey Baratheon Game of Thrones level sadism. Yeah. Uh, and body horror, horror. So no, very, very good there. Um, most exciting death we've had in quite a while. Yeah, um, I think Witiza was the last really exciting one. Yeah, exactly. So that was that was really good. Yeah. Um, very, very, very impressed with that. Um, the coin is fine, you know. Um, leaves behind a, an important 
uh, child, obviously. Yes. Um, so, so part of a very important legacy. Yes. Uh, an essential part of an important legacy. Right. Um, so gotta, gotta give credit for that as well. Well, I mean, narratively speaking, it's a great death. For he himself, it was probably less than... No, that was probably uh, very painful for him. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, uh, five feels high to me. It does, um, because I feel like he didn't leave... Yeah. I mean, he was only governor for two years, two which years. Is, is going to be an average for these governors. Right. But right. it's still. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm, I'm thinking for, and that's mostly because of the daughter and his death. Yeah. Um, four sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So that is an eight. Okay. El Resto, and that means that's- 36. That's not bad. That's given given that you good. were that you were on the throne, which you shouldn't have been for two <laughs> years, that's pretty good. That is pretty um, good. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. say thus far, uh the 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 caliphate governors are doing very well for themselves. Indeed. Uh, they even are. if even if they all come to very bad ends. Um, <laughs> well, that leaves us only one question to ask. Fuero or fuera? Do we let him sign the charter or do we tell him to get out? Ooh, Ooh this is tough. I feel like, like this is literally the first ruler we've had that has actually signed a fuero. That's true. That is true. <laughs> true. That is very true. However, um, I don't want to give it to him. No, I don't. I don't think so either. And and again, uh, this has a lot to do with the fact that he basically uh got it from both sides he got it from above he got it from below Suleiman mm-hmm. above Habib below he was unpopular yeah. uh largely because of the, the the marriage thing and so there's very much a sense that I guess the way that I put it is if an entire room full of people stab you to death maybe 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 you're not in point of fact uh somebody uh who deserved to sign the charter yeah um uh yeah i'm i'm going to say fuera it it will not be cheerfully um but i feel as though we 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 can't i mean he he's not musa I know. Uh, he simply do, and and in fact you know where where you look at musa as a creature of equal parts talent and luck abdelaziz strikes me as a very as a moderately talented young man who had just had the right father and because notice that once musa is no longer in the country with him it all starts to go pretty wrong pretty that's quickly. that's a good point so good i'm point. i'm gonna say i'm gonna say fuera so, as much yes. as it hurts to yes. tell fuera to someone yeah. who literally signed a fuero yeah i'm gonna, gonna say, say abdelaziz fuera Sorry. oh the oh the irony oh the yeah. irony <laughs> Well, let us know what you think. You can uh, take a look at our posts on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. Those are Spanish Arpada in both cases. We also have a Gmail account, also Spanish Arpada. And you can go to SpanishArpada.com and take a look at the blog posts I put up with Mm. every every recording we release. It has partial transcripts. It has pictures. It has a... um, a poll where you can tell us whether you think they should have gotten fuera or fuera and it's really great 
So now it is recommendation time. Yes, it is. I will start. I know Please we're done do. with the Visigoths, but I yes. was at a bookstore the other day and I ah. picked up The Dark Queens by Shelley Puhak. Yes. This is a book about Brunhilde and Fredegund. And yes, it, it is, is so good. It is very enjoyable. Yes. yes. I, um, I love it because when we started talking about Brunhilde in this podcast, we started with where we were, which was right. Leovigild having adult sons. Right. You know, things were pretty, pretty far advanced. Pretty far advanced. Um, so we really only talked about Chilperic and right. Guntram, right, yes. as the kings of the Franks. But there were actually yes. four kings of the mm-hmm. Franks at the same time when Brunhilde first got married. So the entire second chapter is about Cheribert, who I didn't even mention on the podcast, and I didn't even really look into myself because it was mm-hmm. outside of the scope of research. So I'm reading, I'm like, oh, I didn't know any of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's super great to fill in the blanks. And I can't wait until I get to the parts that were in our podcast and I get to read all about their bitter, bitter feud. Mm, yes. Yeah, so that great. is my recommendation. If you loved hearing about Brunhilde and Fredegund, then you and should get you The did. Dark Queens. Of course you did. Yes. They're yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. So The Dark Queens by Shelley Puhak, P-U-H-A-K, yes. is my Excellent. recommendation. Nice, nice. Um, well, I am going to, as, as I have vowed, I'm not going to recommend cocktails while we're doing the Muslims. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, going to recommend a movie, sort of on the verge at some point uh, soon of going uh, home to, uh, to my family home of Southern California for a bit. When I do, I sort of tend to run out of things to talk about uh, to my father in the space of uh, a couple of days. Uh, and then we just sort of start to go through the movies uh, that he has on his shelf. And we, we, we watch them together in lieu of uh, conversation about the weather. Um, and what that means is we tend to end up watching movies that were favorites uh, of my mother. Uh, who passed away uh, a few years ago. And so uh, one of the movies that I realized I was looking forward to watching again, one of her favorite movies, is a somewhat obscure comedy uh, directed by Stanley Tucci. Uh, Everybody knows Stanley Tucci for Big Night, primarily. And the movie that he directed immediately after it was a slapstick farce uh, called The Imposters. Um, And it's not as well known. It's a very uneven movie. It's really sort of much like a a Marx Brothers movie. It is not so much a plot as a series of set pieces and zany characters, but it is one of my mother's favorite movies. There are four or five or six scenes where she would just laugh herself uh, into paroxysms. Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt uh, play two uh, impoverished, uh, struggling actors in 1930s New York, and they get up to all kinds of various forms of shenanigans uh, that uh, culminate in their stowawaying on a cruise ship and being hunted by the uh, authorities thereupon. Um, <laughs> and it is uh, it is it is a cast of ringers. Uh, in addition to Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci. And yes, they do play up on the fact that their names are Stan and Ollie. 
Oh, um, nice. Yes. Uh, Alfred Molina is in it. Uh, Tony Shalhoub is in it. Steve Buscemi uh, plays the uh, entertainer uh, who is going through suicidal depression and keeps being interrupted before he can successfully kill himself. Oh, no. Um, uh, Hope Davis, Allison Janney, Isabella Rossellini, uh, Billy Connolly is the funniest man on the planet. Wow. Um, basically playing a very aggressively gay uh, tennis player who really doesn't care that everyone else around him is straight. He's going to make this happen. Um, <laughs> and it is and it is just it's it's wonderful. Um, it does feature a brief performance by Woody Allen. Don't worry. He's in the movie for like two minutes and then it's over. Okay. Uh, so don't hold that against uh, the film. But I just, I, I love this movie. Uh, it, is, it is a movie I enjoy probably in excess of its merits. Mm. Um, but so what? Uh, it, is, it is an absolute delight and you will laugh uh, at awesome. some point. So there we go. The Imposters, 1998, that- directed by Stanley Tucci. I'm going to have to uh, check that out for myself. All right. All right. So we may have to miss next week uh, for yes. Al Cooler because you're going to Stratford. So. I am going to I am going to a conference. Yes, yes. I am. Uh, but we will be back next time. Yes. With Al Cooler to see how he takes a mostly conquered Spain. Yes. yes. I was going to say, we're at the point where we have to do boring things like infrastructure and well, you know, it, traffic there, laws. But there's still going to be plenty of interesting conquistadores things to talk about. I promise. There are always Basques. Oh, I mean, yes. there are always Basques. And there are always so. Franks. Oh, goody. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yep. All right. We will see you <laughs> next right. time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.